Welcome to our next episode on the Quorum Podcast, a podcast of the Center for Ancient Christian Studies. This brief episode, Coleman Ford and myself have a brief conversation with Dr. Scott Swain. During our time, we talk about Scott's own theological development, how the fathers have shaped his thinking, theological education, and his forthcoming book on the Trinity. We hope you enjoy this conversation. Well, friends, thanks for joining us today. We are excited to have with us Dr. Scott Swain uh, to talk about theological retrieval, talk about, you know, small topics like the Trinity or eternal generation or, you know, little things like that. Uh, But we're really excited to have him with us. And if you don't know Scott, Dr. Swain is the president uh, and uh, professor of systematic theology at Reformed Theological Seminary in Orlando, Florida. Uh, Now, he served uh, at RTS since 2006, where he, uh, before then he was at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, where I currently am located. And so, uh, Scott, you're the one who got away from us. That's okay. Um, but you, your main interests include the doctrine of God, theological interpretation of scripture, as well as modern Protestant theology. And as you can see, if you just Google him or look him up on the RTS page, he's got plenty of things that he's published by way of books and essays. Uh, done some work with Michael Allen, mm-hmm. uh, and also serves as uh, editor for two different series, the Zondervan Academic New Studies and Dogmatic, as well as the TNT Clark's International Theological Commentary. Uh, as well as being a administrator and a faculty member, he's also an ordained minister in the Presbyterian Church in America. So we're excited to have you today, Scott. Thank you for your time today to talk about some uh, really interesting topics. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is great. Uh, just to kind of get the conversation going, would love to hear more of your history and learning about the Trinity. Uh, what, what, what were kind of like key moments where kind of the light bulb went off in your own theological development, especially on the doctrine of the Trinity? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, looking back, I think that an influence that I wasn't really aware of at the time was I attended Episcopal Day School from kindergarten through fifth grade, and we had weekly chapel. And somewhere just a few years ago, I realized, yeah, that's probably where I learned the doxology, the Gloria Petri, uh, got that Trinitarian grammar hammered in my head uh, pretty thoroughly early on. But the, the kind of intellectual awakening to the doctrine, I would trace to uh, first day of seminary, very first class. Oh, wow. Um, I had a church history prof at Southeastern Seminary named David Puckett. And uh, one of the texts he had us read our first semester was Athanasius on the Incarnation. And Beautiful. I remember just being in awe of the the beauty of the doctrine of the word and his consubstantiality with the Father, but the with the entire drama of salvation from incarnation to exaltation. And hmm. um, I don't think at the time I, I had a sense of this would be something I would give myself to study, but that definitely was a illuminating moment for me. Oh, so that's actually real. That's real uh, neat to hear that even Athanasius played an important role in that. And I'd be curious to know then, even as you developed over the year, the 
in, even in your own mind, the doctrine of the Trinity, what, <clears throat> what fathers kind of stood out or what uh, ancient Christian texts were you using? Um, yeah, I'd be, be curious to know how that factored into your development. Yeah. Um, so I, I, they're going to be the ones that probably wouldn't surprise anyone. Gregory of Nazianzus, very important. Uh, five theological orations. Um, and they're not only getting kind of the, the basic shape of Nicene Trinitarianism, but also getting a sense from Gregory and others uh, how this is a reading of scripture, right? And it's a, a comprehensive reading of scripture, taking into account the different ways scripture speaks about the sun and so forth. So Gregory was huge for me. Um, Augustine has been huge. Um, probably a little later in my development, Cyril of Alexandria became very important. Uh, I read my dissertation on a, a guy named Robert Jensen and I disagree with him about a lot of things, but, but one thing I did take from him and he takes it from Cyril, which is a certain way of reading uh, the whole Bible, but especially the Gospels, as referring to kind of single subject Christology. And that's a Cyrilline influence for sure. Um, Maximus Confessor, I think, is, is, is important there for me. And then probably in the last five years, uh, I know you're not really supposed to do this, but probably my favorite of the so-called Cappadocian fathers has come to be Basel. Um, so we'll hold uh, you. We'll hold that. We'll hold. We'll hold you to that. So okay, okay. that's great. I, mean, that's I don't know so if you good. want us to tweet that out, but yeah, uh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm kind of in that corner with you, so I'll go. Ahead yeah, that's right. And it's a controversial it, take. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. We're all about hot takes here. Controversial <laughs> takes. Any takes. Take out. All takes are good. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, Scott, that's really helpful for us to think about just knowing you as a scholar, knowing you as a thinker, and even just thinking about how that started on day one of seminary with uh, uh, David Puckett there, who I've had the privilege of studying under as well uh, when I was at Southern Seminary. Uh, and I even love to think about how you were formed from a very early age, uh, un unknowingly in some senses, right? Right. Um, and even just thinking about the reality that um, we are formed, all of us are formed theologically, whether we know it consciously or not, right? So uh, our churches are doing that. Uh, our preaching is doing that. Uh, the, what, the things that we're um, digesting from media and other ways that we're operating within the world are forming us and shaping us in those kind of ways. So I would just even love to ask you this question as you think about, I mean, you know, the past few years for you have the word retrieval has been a big um, part of your writing and uh, your presence academically. So as you think about it, what is the hope for retrieval within, uh, within evangelicalism? That is what, what do you hope to see come from discussions about re theological retrieval within evangelicalism? And even to kind of put it more bluntly, you know, what do you see retrieval doing to reach the pews, so to speak, as you've thought about it? Yeah. Uh, great questions. Uh, I mean, for me, the, the task of retrieval always arises from a kind of pastoral judgment about the circumstance and situation of theology and of the church. 
Um, and so, you know, there might be times in church history where, where retrieval would be redundant um, because it's unnecessary. But then there are other times where uh, we've lost touch with something. We need to recover it. And, and I think of, I mean, I think of our, our contemporary evangelicalism as in some ways a kind of a derivative Protestantism. Um, and I know sometimes folks think of retrieval as something that only Catholics do, but, but I want to do retrieval in the name of Protestantism. There, there is a, a rich Protestant tradition that cared a lot about the fathers and also the medieval doctors um, and took those theologians as having something to say to us. And I think one way to enrich kind of broader Protestant and evangelical theology now is to try to retrieve that influence, um, recover what it means. In terms of the importance of it, I, I, the thing that has struck me really the last five years especially um, is you know, there's always going to be kind of a right wing and left wing of the evangelical movement. Um, the one thing I've noticed in the last five years is that a lot of those who are on the right side of the movement who would consider themselves kind of would be defenders of the tradition have actually been quite revisionist on some very important things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, that's, I think, the more urgent requirement. And, th and, that, and that partially answers, you know, the question about the church. Um, I do think theology trickles down, um, usually through pulpits to the broader congregation. And so if you've got some seriously bad things uh, being taught at the level of academic theology, whether it's the doctrine of God, whether it's um, nature of salvation, whatever it is, it eventually is going to find its way into the church. And I think we're in that kind of situation. Um, as I have kind of taught around different churches and different uh, presbyteries and things like other church conferences the last several years, on the Trinity specifically, it's been amazing to me how many people will come up afterwards um, and as I have addressed errors, they'll come up and say, this is exactly what I was taught. Mm. Um, so I think these things are of great practical importance because when it comes to the Trinity, God's of great practical importance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that, you know, that strikes a nerve with both of us. I think just the reality of helping, uh, evangelical churches, whether, you know, uh, in your context at Presbyterian or in Sean and I's context at Baptist, um, the reality of sound Trinitarian theology uh, is just absolutely lacking. Even if it's in the confessional statement of the church or the denomination or, uh, or whatever, um, the way in which that is integrated into ministry uh, is shockingly absent, right? Um, yeah. you know, I had a professor, actually, Michael Haken, uh, who um, helps us with the center, uh, challenged us in one of our seminars saying, when was the last time you heard a sermon on the Trinity? Uh, I mean, specifically about the triune nature of God. Uh, and you could easily have a, a whole series of sermons on that, right? And in some senses, every sermon is about that. But at the same time, many sermons aren't, uh, at least yeah. not explicitly. Um, and I was just even 
um, anecdotally blown away uh, when you enter certain churches and you hear, hear them pray in certain ways. Um, not always necessarily heretical, but um, certainly questionable <laughs> and sometimes heretical if, if, um, if, if it really goes that far. So, yeah, just even thinking about that, would you even say, uh, what, what's the, would you say that Trinitarian theology is what's necessary for retrieval sound Trinitarian theology? Um, would, would you say that's the most primary uh, retrieval point for us right now? Or would you say there's something else or how would you, how would you answer that? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it probably will depend from church to church um, and maybe even from tradition to tradition. But I do think there are a constellation of doctrines related to Trinity, divine attributes, and person of Christ, which are in need of desperate kind of recovery. You know, 2016 was Trinity controversy, and then maybe a year later, there's a big discussion about divine simplicity. Mm -hmm. Several of us have been joking around, just wait till somebody turns over the right Christology rock <laughs> right. and realize how messed up things are on right. that topic. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. That's, mm -hmm. that's the next thing waiting to happen. But, but I think all three of those doctrines, and they're all interrelated, aren't they? Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, thank you for that. And that's something that we're hoping to continue to do here at the center is just to provide conversation, resources, just momentum towards helping people think about sound Trinitarian doctrine, Christology. Um, you know, Sean's writing right now on Cyril and his Christology and um, reading in the scriptures. And so just those kind of things where you said the trickle down effect, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's so easy for us to joke sometimes uh, from our vantage point, being evangelicals to look at the mainline de denominations and say, well, obviously they're at where they're at because look at the theology that came from their seminaries over the years. Well, the same thing is happening in evangelicalism. We just may happen to retain uh, a doctrine of inerrancy or some other kind of um, foundational doctrine that keeps us away from some of those errors. But just because we not, may not be committing those errors doesn't mean we're uh, oppositely not promoting sound doctrine in other ways. So uh, it's, a, it's a huge task for us. Uh, and just thinking about the academic question, you know, the trickle-down effect that you were talking about, you know, you sit here as a president of a seminary there in Orlando, RTS, and um, a great seminary that's uh, turning out um, ministers and scholars and others, uh, ministry leaders. But as you think about theological education, uh, I'd love to just answer this, or have you answer this question, somewhat unrelated to what we're talking about, but maybe related. Uh, what do you see the future of theological education? I mean, obviously, we're in a weird season right now. Um, we all serve in different capacities in theological education, but we're all taking it to the online streets, so to speak. Um, wh where are you seeing this going? And then what do you expect to see in the next five to 10 years from your vantage point? Uh, you may, I don't, I don't want you to prognosticate necessarily, but just as you've looked at this, where are some thoughts and maybe some dreams you have for the future of theological education? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, although I, have, I wouldn't feel comfortable betting on what theological education might be like in three weeks from now. <laughs> <laughs> five years is a little bit too yeah, yeah. Um, that's right but you know if, if you if you look at where things have been since 2008 since the last economic downturn the biggest challenges we have seen have been really related to personal finances and economics where students are coming out of undergraduate programs with more debt than ever uh, there's also a, kind of 
sociologically people have studied this, there's a really risk aversion uh, among the generation that's kind of entering seminary where you and I, you know, 10, 20 years ago, whatever, when we were felt a call to ministry and someone told us, well, you, you've got to get training. We might've packed our cars up, you know, driven 17 hours away, right. not knowing where the next meal is going to come from, but Hey, we're going to go to seminary and trust God. The, the mindset seems to have changed um, among folks. The question is, is, is will the most recent kind of crisis, which certainly has an economic dimension, will it kind of further that? Um, I don't think it, goes to say that it necessarily will. I mean, I mean, sometimes the realization of finitude can awaken people to realize, uh, have a better sense of what matters most and, and, and maybe, you know, less a kind of false trust and comfort. Um, and, and so a willingness to, to do what needs to be done to get ready for ministry. But I think those are going to be the, the big challenges I would foresee. And so if that's the case, then the, the challenges for us are going to be how can we continue to provide the most thorough preparation that folks need? Because the temptation is what? Uh, if it's too expensive, one way to save money is to do less. To do more. Yeah, yeah to do yeah. less. Yeah. Yeah. And then as we, you know, these experiments that we're all involved in with online learning these last few days, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I mean, we, we've been in that that business for a while. I know, Sean, that's mm -hmm. a lot of what y'all do out there at uh, mm -hmm. CBU. Mm -hmm. um, but all of us would say that's not our primary emphasis. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. we, we, we like to use it to supplement the classroom um, because we believe that the best way to form persons is by persons in community, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And so the challenge will be not only kind of providing full training, but also to what extent can we continue providing it within the context of community uh, formation? So it, 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 it's, it should be a wild ride. No, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's for sure. No, that's for sure. And j just want to be mindful kind of of our time, your time uh, in our, in this brief conversation. Uh, and maybe we can close with a couple questions related to something that's coming out soon. So some of yeah. your works that are coming out. One of the, one of the reasons we wanted to have this conversation was just to hear you talk about the new book that you have in, that you have coming out in introduction to the Trinity with Crossway. Yeah. So we'd love to kind of give you some space to what, what is this book? What are we awaiting? Um, I think when we initially corresponded, I thought I was hoping the book was going to come out in May. Yeah. I, I don't know if I missed saw the date, but I think as of right now, it's going to come out in mid fall is what it looks like. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd love to hear kind of what, what, what are, what's awaiting us. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks for asking. So, I mean, the Trinity is something I've has been at the center of my research um, for a long time. And as I mentioned in the foreword or preface or whatever it is to, to the book, I, I, think, I think the deep impetus for writing the book was my wife's desire for many years for me to write something uh, for lay people. Uh, her suggested title was You, Me, and the Trinity. I love it. You're not, you're not alone. <laughs> that, did, that, did not, uh, <laughs> that did not pass the, the 
editorial muster, but um, so good. <clears throat> yeah, that that so that's I've been wanting to do it for a long time, and then honestly, 2016 was the wake up call indeed. for me that okay, it's time indeed. to do something. Yeah, indeed. Um, indeed. Now it's so it's it's an introductory book. It's supposed to be something that it could be someone's first book on the Trinity that they read. I hope it actually is that. I don't always trust myself. Um, Mm-hmm. knowing what audience I'm pitching it to. But the focus really is on trying to get a sense of what it means to say the Trinity is a biblical doctrine, mm-hmm. that its foundation uh, comes out of Scripture, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just that there's a generic and bland Trinitarian, Trinitarianism in Scripture that later church fathers kind of sharpen and so forth, that no, no, there's a robust biblical Trinitarianism. And so there's not as much focus on the fathers or history of doctrine, certainly sources that have influenced me, although I think that folks like you who read it will say, okay, I see what we're doing here. Indeed. Um, Mm -hmm. Kind of hiding my work instead of showing my work as in math, you know, (laughs) Um, but trying to introduce folks to even some very basic things like, you know, common predication versus proper predication and, and how that's important in reading text and why the doctrine of divine simplicity is an important part of the doctrine of the Trinity. And then also addressing some of these things like, um, you know, why we distinguish persons by relations of origin, not eternal relations of authority and submission and so forth and so forth and so forth. So, uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun to write, honestly, um, mm. and to try to aim at that kind of audience and try to give an overview um, of the Trinity and its being and its works. And even the concluding chapter has a kind of miniature theology of ministry to the Christian life. Oh, great. Kind of couched yeah. in the framework of the doctrine. So, mm. Yeah, excellent. Great. Excellent. Really cool. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's excellent. I'm so glad to hear that I'm not alone, that I have a wife telling me to write a book for for her and with her in mind. I love that. I totally resonate with that. (laughs) Well, Scott, this has been such a joy uh, to be able to talk with you, to talk about your interests. We, We hope and wish you all the best over at RTS. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Blessings to you. Thanks for having this conversation. Excited. Hey, excited for the new guys. book. Thank you, guys. Thank you. All Hope right. Y'all are doing well. Thanks. Take care. Okay. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this discussion. Be sure to check us out at ancientchristianstudies.com.